people live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It's an Articles of News episode. It is episode number 412. If you have not yet checked out episode 411, I encourage you to do so. I sit down with my friend Joanna Brooks and we talk about Mormonism and white supremacy. A lot of discussion uh, being had around that episode. So please check that out. And then remember, you can always reach out to us. Contact at theculturalhall.com. That's the email address. Or find us on social media at The Cultural Hall, wherever you find us. Uh, I am going to place this warning here at any moment. Uh, Brother Kyle may or may not drop into this Articles of News episode, but I don't care. I'm with my friend Chow. Uh, People would know her as maybe Charmaine if you see her uh, tweeting for the Cultural Hall or occasionally responding to posts on our Facebook page. Uh, She is uh, related to Russ, who was on Articles of News uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, they are married, related by marriage. They kiss on the mouth. I've been told. Uh, how are you, Charmaine? Chow? What do I call you? I'm, what would you like to be called? I'm good. You can just call me Chow. Okay. That Charmaine is like for when I'm in court mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm dealing with people that I don't have a close association with. And Chow is the term for my friends. Yeah. Oh, well, then I will call you Chow. <laughs> uh, how is court? How is court during quarantine time? I've heard that's just fun. It's good. So this is my courtroom. This is my backdrop for my courtroom. And I sit right here at my desk and we take care of clients' business and probate wills and have so, hearings. So you're doing so. it all completely remotely presently? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Everything is remote. How How do you like that? Will you ever go back to an office ever again? Um, I will. So I still go in two days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go in more in the afternoons, but going to court, I mean, it's much better going to court in my squishy socks than it is a pair of heels, <laughs> especially because I'm 24 weeks pregnant. And so I'm loving that I'm not in heels in court. Yeah. Are, he, are heels are heels in court a requisite? Do they say, ma'am, uh, come back and represent yourself in heels another time? No, not necessarily, but it's it just, you look better, people Mm -hmm. listen better. And it shows that you're, you know, you got your game face on, you're ready to just tear somebody apart. You're willing to stuff your feet in those little shoes. So (laughs) I still like to wear them. There's a lot of pregnant women that just go to flats, but no, if I'm going to go to war in the courtroom, it's going to be in heels. So everybody knows that I'm, I'm suffering and I will make them suffer too. (laughs) Wow. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, look who we do have. I, we're going to get Brother Kyle in here in just a second. He decided that Woo-hoo. he dropped in. Now, let me ask you, 24, 24, uh, 24 weeks pregnant, That is that technically then the third trimester? Is that where we're rocking into? Or are you still second, I think, technically? I, I'm still second, but I'm getting close to third. Okay. So I feel yeah. like with 100 kids like you have, you should probably know these things a little bit more. <laughs> You know, it just kind of blurs together. So you just kind of block out the numbers and just get through to the deadline. Like yeah. you just get through to when that baby's showing up. So, uh, and yeah. it's been, it's been fun following you online. I know occasionally with it, we'll share pictures, uh, on the cultural hall of you and your already existing four kids, number five on the way, but you guys just doing the, the home quarantine life as best you can do with everybody being at home all the time. Yeah. And thankfully we live in Texas and have five acres. So when the kids get bored, we say, 
go find a snake or go <laughs> climb a tree or go do something else. So plenty of space. That's the nice part. Do you tell, do you, uh, do you usher them out and, and ask them to sit on the back porch and remember the Alamo? Will you guys just sit on the back porch and just, <laughs> just, just for a second, remember the Alamo. Okay. I, I have not yet, but that'll be my new thing because yeah. I need new things, right? Yeah. We're running out of like things to do and what to say. So that'll be the oh, new shit. thing that I tell him to do. So. Well, well, look who we've got. It's brother Kyle. Hello, sir. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. I can't hear you, Richie. You can't hear me, brother Kyle? Well, I kind of can hear you, but I've got to wait till somebody stops calling me. Okay. Um, on my telephone <laughs> right now. Um, but it, it rings three times through. Sure. So, sure. So we'll. So they, they, it's the third time they've called me and they don't get a hint that when yep. I don't answer the phone, I'm not going to answer the phone. Well, maybe it, maybe it is a, uh, a, an emergency. It's not. And I, I, can and I it. need a, it's an, I need a bike emergency right now, it, brother Kyle. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. We got it in stock. We'll give it to you in a month. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I, uh, big news from the, well, Hey, you guys. Hey, how are you, sir? <laughs> hey, I'm good. <laughs> I, uh, big news from my house, uh, arriving on my front porch this morning, my guilty purchase of quarantine time. I broke down and bought a treadmill because I'm too fat to run on the roads. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Here's the deal. Uh, said company, which I ordered it from, I've, I haven't decided, uh, all my feelings around it. So if they're positive, I want to remain positive about this company, but they may in fact be negative. So far, a couple of things that have been really annoying. The delivery system for said company was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to charge you $200 just to deliver it. And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's freight. It's heavy. It's 300 pounds. I get it. And they're like, and we can take it as far as the threshold of your house. <laughs> and, and I'm like, wait, for $200? So so what does it cost to have you guys, like, bring it in my house or set it up? And they're like, oh, that's an additional $250. And, I, and I'm like, okay, so, like, putting it in the front room of my house, like, how much does that cost? And they're like, $250. And so it became this cyclical conversation of, like, okay, I don't want you guys to set it up. I just would like it in the confines of my own home. How much? $250. What about my uh, backyard? Uh, $250. So if you take it anywhere but my front porch, it's $250. Yes. Do you think that that's a little ridiculous? Oh, yeah. No, we yes. totally think it's ridiculous. Okay. So maybe you guys could change it. No, no, not, no, not, not unless we get $250 for you. So. <sighs> Elders quorum. Yeah, totally. Except, so me and my wife, me and my wife, me and my wife already scratched up our paint job. We got it in the house. And now we're doing the thing where, you know, uh, people give Ikea a hard time about setting things up, putting things together, but they give you every tool that you need in the Ikea package. Maybe you don't know what it's called or what it is. And it may be called like a Schlendark or something like that, but at least it's all there. Which is Swedish for Allen wrench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we we are running around the house trying to find the right wrenches for the right size. Nothing is the same, and none of it was included within of it. So within any of it. So if I stay married uh, through the rest of this day, uh, I'm going to be able to enjoy a run on a treadmill. Well, you hope, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heaven forbid you miss one screw. Right. Well, you think, get on. Th- things get tense. <laughs> I'm not particularly patient. And people would be like, be patient with your wife. It's not my wife. I'm not particularly patient with myself. 
And so as we get in it, I go, this should be easy. And then I quickly wind myself up to a whole lot of self-loathing. And it doesn't help that it's starting to get warm here in Utah today. So hmm. <sighs> good luck. Thanks. Good luck. Thank you. Brother Kyle, anything new with you? Uh, no, I hope hopefully finishing my last week of uh, 75 to 80 hour weeks. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. But it's from home. Yeah. So that means I sit at my desk from 6 a.m. to 9.45 p.m. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, working. I, we work from home. So we're very busy. And we fired half of our staff because we thought it would be really slow. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, it didn't work out. Ten weeks later, we're uh, trying to hire people back. Yeah. And, and nobody wants a job. Yeah. Forget it. Because they found that unemployment is great. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. people are stupid and lazy. Yeah. Yes, I'm talking to all of you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He's literally, no, we were, he's literally bagged everybody into the same into the same lump group of people. We, no, you're all terrible. Every single we one. We can't hire people because they're like, no, thanks. And, and not kidding. Hmm. Hmm. Like, no, no, I'm good. Yeah, because yeah. they get that unemployment, whether or not they're looking for a job or not, the way the CARES Act is. So it, It's an interesting thing. Let us not wax too political about it. But I have... But no, 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 no. I think you're completely fine because it is thoughts about it. The thing, the thing for me, as I've been in quarantine, that I've had sort of different thoughts. There have been times, and I'm careful about saying this because I know that it seems... Um, really insensitive but there are times within this quarantine um that i have thought you know i kind of would at least on the very surface of it i kind of would like to not have a job to have to go to now i recognize how entitled that is and that would last for about five seconds until things like health insurance come into play and you know purpose mental health all of these things but like for for brief brief moments I hope this is a safe space to share this. Like I go, <laughs> yeah, oh man, that kind of would, that might be nice to just be void of of those responsibilities for a hot minute and still be making money. Yeah, See, the, I'd, I'd take a month of unemployment. The thing for me is when, I mean, we still have a bunch of, we have four kids. Right. So a month of unemployment for us just means more time to watch our kids break everything in our house. Yeah. Like the TV, <laughs> the water pump. Uh, I can't even name all of the things that I've broken in my last two months here. So for me, it would not be a vacation, but if I were able to watch Netflix or actually watch some of the shows that I'm way behind on, I would probably enjoy it for about as much as long as you would, Richie. Uh And then I would need to go back to work. Yeah. I, I love, we were going to try and get Russ and Chow in this episode. And I think it was your husband who's like, listen, it's one or the other because we're breeders. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Uh, also, though, worth noting, um, you, you mentioned the pump. If you listen, if you look back at a couple weeks ago's articles of news, the actual picture for the episode is the burnt out pump uh, from <laughs> the wilds uh, down there in Texas. Uh, you also, well. uh, during the quarantine time, though, you guys have enjoyed a little bit of living scriptures, haven't you? The, the uh, streaming yes. service? Oh, that was like the first thing. When I realized the kids were not going back after spring break, Uh I told Russ, we're in. We are by the, you know, lifetime membership, whatever it takes, we're doing this. And it has been so great. I really, really enjoy it. What are some of the things on that um, 
that that you really enjoy you find you and your family enjoying i know i've enjoyed some of your husband's posts as there is some sort of archaic stuff there that you're just like oh this this yeah. is this is bad but what what kind of stuff are you guys enjoying yeah so abinadi the musical was a trip and we <laughs> you know there's some modest belly dancing in that that's uh you know, I would like to reunite the cast of that and just see how life has panned out for them. <laughs> but uh, we like, there's a Latter-day News that comes up weekly that um, it's like maybe three minutes and mm. tells you what official stuff the church has done. And then there's a come follow me, like a little five minute come follow me thing that they do too, that kind of gives you a broad overview of everything with come follow me for the week. My kids love allegories. It's these like four baby owls that go to school and try to learn about like, well, I don't know what they're supposed to learn, but they end up always learning about Jesus uh -huh. and which is great. Which Yeah. I guess fine. if you're going to get a default lesson, like let's learn about Jesus. <laughs> I think they were supposed to learn colors today. Yeah. I don't know, but we learned about <laughs> yeah. Jesus. They got distracted, but that's a lot of fun. I love that there's, you know, I can put it on or I can have my kids watch or I say, pick a show, whatever you want. And I don't have to worry about content. Um, and I feel that way about Disney plus too, for the most part, but there is some PG 13 stuff on Disney plus, but living scriptures, you can say to my eight-year-old, here's the remote, go to town and they can pick something versus like Netflix where they end up watching like the conjuring or yeah. you know, some other thing that I'm kind of like, uh, no, no, guys, no, no. Guys, this what have we told you about watching Ozark without mom and dad for crying out loud? Uh, but they don't know. Cause it just starts on Netflix, yeah. right? They yeah. just click over and it starts and they're like, Oh look, there's a flower. And you know, they get so easily enticed to watch things. So living scriptures is great. I love it. You can find a link in association with this episode that will get you one month free of living scriptures. And, uh, it's a great sort of relationship that we've got with them. Um, and in the future, we're going to try and rope your husband Chow into doing like deep dives into maybe one or two programs of, all right, this week on Living Scriptures, you got to check out things like Abinadi the Musical. Because if it, if you get a month yeah. for free, why not? Binge it all. Let's do it. Well, and oh. I was going to say, there's a ton of stuff for not kids, too, mm -hmm. on there. There's like every church or church-related or video or almost like Hallmark-ish stuff mm -hmm. on there. Like, I could really spend some girl time going through some of those shows. And then it's fun too. If you scroll down through it, it organizes things like these are movies about ponies. These are <laughs> movies about puppies, which my eight-year-old is obsessed with puppies. Sure. And so she's like, I'm watching all those. Right. I don't care what it is. I'm watching it all. Yeah. So it's great. I love it. And then so, like yeah. the, the adult section is like Bathsheba and Shiz and all these, <laughs> you know, terrible yeah. stories. <laughs> True. Well, and, and the and chosen we... is on there. That's how I watched the whole the chosen. Which, series. You know, a great episode we did with Dallas, uh, uh, probably about 10 or so episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, eight part series about the life of Jesus. And they're working on a, a second season. We'll likely have him come back on. Let's uh, let's take a break real quick because I know well, you oh. don't forget to mention in, in the living scriptures. What? I think we all know. Mm -hmm. You should have mentioned it. Back in the day, I was boy two and boy three. Oh, oh. my gosh. I forgot about that. Tell people about that, Kyle. Uh, no, I went in and they, and they, they paid me big money. I was 13 uh -huh. and they paid me like 70 bucks. That's big money. Like two that, hours. That's big two money. Hours. That's big money in 1962. It was. <laughs> and I recorded two lines for boy two and boy three. 
What what in movie what, is it in? In what show? Well, yeah, I what don't. Is it in? This was back in like the early '80s. I don't remember what it. I remember I'll, my lines for some reason, but I don't remember which it was for. Okay, I'll check your IMDb page. See what yeah, it is. There you go. Yeah, awesome. Do you you said you remember your lines? Give us your lines as we go into the break. Uh, the first one was, "What is it, Father?" And nice. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yes, thank very you. Good. Very good. Very good. And very the good. other, oh gosh, what was it? Something like. Uh, but he he fed thousands with just a loaf of bread and two fishes or yeah. whatever. Something not a, like not as convincing, not as convincing on no. that one. Or whatever. I'd have some, to get into some character. miracle. Yeah. yeah, it's hard I, to get into character. <laughs> you gotta pay me. I'll pay you. I'll pay you seventy bucks. <laughs> All right. Let's let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do actual articles of news. Hey, it's me, Richie T. I want to take a second and talk to you about best DJ in Utah, or I should really say right now, best guy who cleans out his carport and best guy who cleans out his storage unit and best guy who cleans out his carpenter studio and has done a lot of episodes of the cultural hall. Not a lot of DJing happening right now, as you can imagine with the quarantine, it is the socially responsible thing to do. But I will promise you this, I bring the party as soon as this is lifted, as soon as these rainy clouds of self-quarantine are gone, I will bring the party. Now, you're going to have a work party? Great. You're going to have a church party? I do the church parties, too. You're going to have a wedding or special day, or maybe you just want to have a post-corona party. I would love to be that DJ for that party. You can hit me up. You can get a quote. Simple and easy at bestdjinutah.com. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. It's time for the second block of the Cultural Hall. Now you're, now you're thinking, I know, listen, you're thinking, wait a minute, with articles of news, don't we just do a first half and a second half? Well, not today, pal, and not next week either. Uh, in the third block of this week's Articles of News and in the third block of next week's Articles of News, uh, we have Matthew Godfrey in. He works with the Joseph Smith Papers Project, and in today's episode, he is going to share with us what we can learn uh, from reading and studying Joseph Smith's Patriarchal Blessing. And then in next week's Articles of News episode, he is going to tell us what we can learn and glean from Emma's Patriarchal Blessing. So, uh, that's this week and next week's third block of Articles of News, respectfully. So uh, that's coming up still. Uh, let's get to the news right now. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. I know that uh, when I invited you, Chow, on uh, your husband, your insensitive, horrible husband that's been a friend of mine now, as I counted it up the other day, uh, 20, I think we go from the first time that he and I ever met we are eclipsing 25 years from the first time he that's, and I ever met. That's longer than I've known him. Well, sure, because I was there when you guys went on your first date, and I had already known him True. a good long time before that. Uh, but he gave you a hard time because you only wanted to come on to this Articles of News and share one story. So I'll let you take 
take it off. Take it away. Well, hold on. I bumped my mic. Let me get it back up. How um, dare you? I know. So what I I loved, and give me this. So in our area of the world, we meaning had that announcement. Uni- com- meaning the United States or in Texas? Texas. Okay. So um, they had that announcement that churches could open back up. And I'm pregnant. And I was really worried that it was going to be, okay, we're going back. So I'm anxiously looking for some sort of update. When are we going back? When are we going back? And in my area of the world, nothing. No, hey, we're not going back. Hey, we are going back. Just no, no stance has really been taken. So I've just been a little probably overstressed with my pregnancy anxiety, thinking what's going to happen? What's going to, what do I do? And trying to like plan ahead. So for me, when, and I saw it on Twitter first, President Nelson's post about how uh, Church at Home is going for him and his wife, and he shared a picture of him vacuuming because he talks about how one of the things that was really important to them and their family is to make sure their house is clean for when they take the sacrament. And I just loved it. That, I loved um Felt like it was such a subtle way for the prophet to say, hey, keep your house clean. Look, this is a man vacuuming. And not to say that there's any issue with men vacuuming necessarily, but I love this, the subtle, hey, look, I clean the house. I may bless the sacrament, but it's not below me to use a vacuum as well. And so I just, I enjoyed that a great deal. It's interesting. We'll uh, attach that picture to this episode of the Articles of News so you can see uh, that that uh, that picture of the prophet vacuuming. Uh, other things that I thought were sort of interesting, that chair in the background at President Nelson's home, or I assume that he lives uh, kind of in that condo that the church owns that's right by uh, the church office building. I don't know that for mm-hmm. sure. He may still live at home, but I assume that that's the case. But that chair in the corner looks so comfortable. It's this red leather. It looks like it's been sat in for just years and years. Like to me, I was like props for him for vacuuming cleanliness next to godliness, all the things that people are saying about it. But I also was like, I bet that chair is so comfortable. I bet I bet he has rested his eyes in that chair countless amounts of times. Right. That's that's deep. That's like some, you know, fixer upper Joanna Gaines sort of home decor decoding that you've done there. But yeah, what kind of revelations came out of sitting in that red chair? Now, now let me ask you, and I'm going to ask the collective you, both uh, Kyle and Chow, so that I don't, uh, you know, uh, appear sexist or misogynistic. Is that a good vacuum? Do we know? Oh, so it's a gray one. It's a stand-up push. Um, And, you know, I... I don't know so much. It looks like he probably bought it in the nineties. Yeah, I would say it looked, based on it the looked a little older to me. I thought I thought President right? Nelson would be a Dyson man. Yeah, it's it's not a fresh purchase. So you can I think be that frugal. well. Yeah. Lizard, I can we, tell. <laughs> we have a we have a sweepy Pete. We have a robot vacuum. That's how we do it in my house. Is that like There's a Roomba? Too many kids. Yeah, it's a, a it's a deboot. It is that brand of vacuum, okay. which I think is a tier or two down from Roomba. Okay. Deboot? So. Deboot? Don't you worry about like your yeah. children's safety, like it's sucking in a finger or chopping it off? 
No, my kids, they've tried to ride on it before. And my daughter, bless her heart, she's so bored in quarantine. She made a decoration so it looks like a cat now <laughs> as it goes around and cleans. So she just, she's so lonely and desperate for friends. She's turning our cleaning stuff into her friends, much like Cinderella or, you know. Something else. Sure, sure. Beauty and the Beast. You know, I don't want to give you another uh, parenting tip. You know, we talked about (laughs) remembering the Alamo, but uh, gospel lesson. Please do. Gospel lesson for you. You ready for this? Yes. I want you to uh, get like a name tag for the top of your debut and have (laughs) it either be the atonement or repentance object lesson boom everybody will be fixated on how that knows where it is and then helps to be able to clean that up yeah so we also have a mop and molly too i should i could do the same thing on that one. what in the world is a mop and molly she's an irobot mop she she's a little bit fancier she's irobot okay and so she mops she goes around and mops so you don't have to do it you just press a button you give her four hours she cleans the room yeah yeah. So what whatever happened Kyle to the small wonder? You know what I'm saying? She was yeah, beautiful yeah. and soft with little bright robot pearls. Girl. What what is yeah. how did the song go? To small wonder and it uh it it was um it was Marilyn Manson was the the little boy on <laughs> the show. That's not true. Oh, it's not. I was thinking no. this is from the 1960s until Marilyn Manson showed up. <laughs> it was from the early 90s or late 80s. The basic premise of this old, terrible TV show is that this girl was, she was a maid, right? No, she was a little girl. The father was like a scientist and he designed oh, this robot and it right. was a, a young girl, like a sister for the family. But, but And her she was... name was Vicky and talked like this, yet nobody knew she was a robot. <laughs> but she was dressed like a maid, wasn't she? Didn't she wear like aprons? No, she was dressed like a a seven-year-old little girl because that's what she was. Okay. I'm going to take your word on it, but for some reason in my mind, because they had to, like, be able to access the back panel, like, I swear that she had to wear, like, like, uh, that stereotypical maid-like outfit i don't know maybe that might have been or you're getting it confused with mr belvedere oh yeah yeah it's the mustache (laughs) you know all of these people members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints let's get back to other news uh yes uh if you guys haven't seen this poor 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 too it's just sad 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 the nauvoo young performing missionaries so for people who don't know about this uh you can um, serve a mission in Nauvoo as a young person, uh, being like uh, in the summer sort of pageants. And, and uh, they have not only the big Nauvoo pageant, then they have like the Nauvoo British pageant, which tells a different story. Uh, and then they also have missionaries that will be like, I'm Joseph Smith. And you're like, wait, why is he talking like that? He's like, welcome to historic Nauvoo. People who get called on missions and are able to perform there over the summer. Well, it's a pretty competitive um, uh, field of uh, applicants to be a Nauvoo Performing Arts Mission because a lot of people will say, hey, you know what? I served a mission. That counts. And so they look to have that three or four month mission count as a full mission. Uh, other people just are like, oh, man, it's competitive, like being cast in a show. So they go at it that way. But obviously, these people called on missions, had the opportunity to do it. Coronavirus said, not today, young performing arts missionaries. 
but they had already been in rehearsal for a while. They had already been chosen to do this. And so those Nauvoo Young Performing Arts Missionaries uh, have been able to do their performances online. You can find a link to it at theculturalhall.com, but some pretty talented blokes who talk like Joseph Smith. Richie, we did don't you know audition? What Joseph Smith talked like? Yeah, no, we don't know what he <laughs> talked like, and and it wasn't that. And yes, I did audition, and and this, and this. Did you know this already, Chow? About who's the president? No, of no, it or what? no, 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 no. Oh. Uh, no, who's the president of it? It's our old institute teacher in Cedar City, Alan Goodmanson. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's yep. pretty awesome. He, well, he just started. He's pretty new, but he used to teach institute in Cedar City. When I was in school, I took his marriage and family relations class and things like that. So, but yeah, go on. What so, were you going to say? So, is he, so he's the mission president of the Nauvoo mission or of these young performing arts missionaries? He's, he is the Nauvoo pageant president. Well, I'll be. Now I'm going to have to reach yep. out to him. No, that isn't what I was going to say. Uh, okay, they're they're, just, they're say? just able to do the performance online. I tried to do this. I tried to be a Nauvoo performing arts missionary, did the whole audition Went down to the Joseph Smith Memorial Building in downtown Salt Lake, got my piece together, you know, all all the things. And it was in spring semester of, I think, um, 2001 or 2002. Yeah, that shows how old I am. I had already served my <laughs> full-time mission. And uh, I was in a play at Southern Utah University. I had to have a goatee for that particular um performing uh, opportunity that I had. So when I went to perform for being a missionary, they discounted my ability because I had facial hair and I oh. was like I was like the number Ew. one I was like the number one runner up for the Nauvoo Young Performing Arts Missionaries and 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 that summer they were like and we're thinking about doing a Kirtland pageant and I was like cool cuz that's where I served my mission was in and around Kirtland and I said, yeah, you bet. Let me know about that. And I'd totally be willing to do it and all these things. And then it never came to fruition. And that was the summer my life fell apart. So, so. Oh, man, this took a turn. So, so thanks a lot, Nauvoo Young Performing Arts Mission. Jeez. Man, and that's the source of all the sorrows. Where can I turn oh. for peace? Deboot. That's where I can turn. Deboot. Not Nauvoo. <laughs> Not not another news story. Yes, please. Uh, This uh, as as of uh, the publishing of this episode, the temples for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, is now open for husband and wife ceilings who have already been endowed. That number of temples that are open is now 66. Uh, This is phase one of the temples reopening. Again, it's only it's not even live endowment sessions. It is only for the live ceilings of husband and wife who are already endowed. It's by appointment only, and um, you can only have a, a small amount of people that come in, and they clean the entire ceiling room and the process that you would go through to get to said ceiling room after every group goes in. So they aren't able to get a bunch of families through, but because people are looking toward the summertime, this is an opportunity for a bunch of people to get married. They are doing that, and it's only those husband and wife ceilings. I uh, and you got to show up in your whites. I remember that. Yeah, uh, you have to show up in your in white clothing. So yeah, the, essentially the, the locker thing, room not even open, right? Right. Yeah. So you can't go change in there. They'll they'll let you do some changing, but your your 
down to your skivvies isn't happening. Yeah. You, know, you can't get in the wedding dress in there. So you've got to wear it walking in. Which let me ask you something, because uh, <laughs> both times I've been married, not Temple, uh, is the is the big reveal in the Temple dress like how it is civilly? Like, don't see me, don't see me, here I am. No, I don't know. I don't think so. There's there's a lot of other things going on when you get to be sealed in the Temple, you know. So it's it's not like look at this ornate, beautiful dress. Yeah. You know. I guess that's so. true, but I'd never considered that, so I wondered if that was perhaps a thing. Here's the other thing I'll say about that. I think everybody's so excited and I have a nephew who he was, he was engaged and he was going to get married in the temple mm-hmm. to his fiance. I would hope so. And well, yeah. And um, they just, they ended up getting married civilly um, because he's, Couldn't he's wait. in the military and, and they just got married civilly and then he's going to go to his next training camp. But um you know, I was really excited when this announcement came because I thought, hey, Jordan and his wife will get to be sealed. You know, they didn't have to wait that long, but she's not endowed. So he served a mission. She didn't serve a mission. She's not endowed. So they're still waiting. Hmm. So I think that this is impactful if both, uh, you know, husband, wife are, or to be husband, wife are endowed, but that doesn't happen that often when you have the male as a return missionary and the female has not served a mission or has had some other reason to be endowed. Right. Right. So. No. So it is a very, very, very small group of people that this is facilitating, but they, they have laid it out into four phases. And, and uh, I know yeah. a lot of places, especially those first 14 uh, that entered into phase one, they're really hoping that, you know, they can sort of move into phase two any day now. So who knows? Yeah. You can follow articles of news as we keep you guys up to date on all of that stuff. Um, Brother Kyle, have you been able to muster up any other news? Sure. Uh, did you know that Ben Thornock is back in town from his mission? Yeah, it. I did not you know. know. You don't know who that is, do you? Tell me. Uh, well, he's a speed skater. He actually skipped the uh, 18 Olympics mm. that he could have gone to for a mission. You know, uh, I, I would love to, and if anyone who listens to this knows Ben Thornock or anyone else, these uh, internationally competitive folks who skip an Olympics like that or, or a national championship to go serve a mission, I would love to know if with their like adult vision, if they feel like that was the right choice. Hmm. Yeah. Well, he's back. He's training now, and he's actually uh, planning on the next Olympics, the 22. Uh huh. That's what he's he's training for. Uh, he's in uh, the the northern Utah area where we have a training facility, uh, and back at it plans to to go back to the next one. Well, so, if but he... it would be interesting to know, yeah, if now he, I wouldn't think he has regrets. He's too young. He can do the Olympics now. Yeah, it, yeah. It's so interesting. Like if he got hurt to the point where he could never go, if he would have been like, oh, mm. I should have done the Olympics first and then come back around. And I'm not throwing shade on either choice, but I I have I have always sort of wondered about that. Um, these yeah. people that, that put that uh, sacrifice first. We read a lot uh, and share the stories here in the cultural hall about like these rugby athletes in like Australia, New Zealand, these multi-million dollar contracts that they go, yeah, 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 I'll come back to that. And then they go. I mean, it, it certainly signifies the amount of faith that they have, but I don't like I, I always wonder on the other side, are they like, yeah, I was grateful for the break or it gave me a perspective or if some are like, mm-hmm. 
yeah, I should have waited and done this when I was older or done it when I was much younger. I just wonder kind of that other side of, of what all that is. Um, yeah. Let me ask you, uh, Chow, you live down there in Texas. That's not a question. That's a statement to set up my question. Um, it's true. The uh, the laws in Texas about reporting abuse, like if a bishop is told about either sexual or domestic abuse, do they have to report down there in Texas? Yes, but it's not often prosecuted if there's a failure to report. Oh, really? So, yeah, that um, that has and it's an issue not only with church, but also with government officials and school professionals that I've seen when I was, I used to be a prosecutor mm -hmm. and that was one of the cases that I received where child abuse had occurred and there were police officers who had failed to report CPS inv investigator who failed to refer to law enforcement. Um, and I was upset and wanted to prosecute and the elected district attorney said, no, we're not huh. going forward. We're, we don't want to ruin people's lives and so it, but it is mandatory that they report any child abuse. I will say they should have firsthand knowledge of it. Um, I've also seen incidents where somebody tells the bishop from somebody else, and it's like a three-line thing, right? Where then the bishop reports, and then it ends up being just a, a mess. So it needs to be personal knowledge. Somebody has told the bishop that they're experiencing abuse, or somebody saying, "Hey, I." beat the crap out of my eight-year-old and they ended up in the hospital. Why, why um, the reason why this is, and this is actually one of the last stories that we've got for this week, uh, this has bubbled up again in Arizona um, where they're talking about, I guess Arizona is fairly lax on this, not only in the in the prosecuting part of it, but also in the, you, you don't even have to tell, like that gray area of, do mm -hmm. you have to report? To me, like I read it and I'm like, no, you you should if someone says my husband is doing this to me or my children or i have done this to another individual like to me it seems like a no-brainer why is there gray area in any states in the united states well i i think there's a lot of claims that come around and how much evidence can you really locate and find mm. to verify that story i think that's the concern is that you're going down a rabbit hole that maybe won't go anywhere um, memories are, are really poor for people. They remember things, uh, wrong. And I've seen that in a lot of trials and a lot of witness testimony where they think they remember clearly, but subsequent to that incident, it's kind of faded and it's, it's been, I don't know, either dra dramatized in their mind and the events have become worse or, um, other factors are not as significant, but I'm with you in that anytime somebody tells you something, you should at least look into it. You should at least refer it over to an investigator who has those skills to figure out, is this faulty memory? Is there any evidence? Who else should I interview? And they have that ability where they could interview other people. You, you should really report so it can just be handled that way. I know a, d a difficult thing for a lot of people, too, is that uh, it is my understanding that when a bishop is, is, hears a case that there is a, a hotline number that bishops or ecclesiastical leaders within the church can call and be able to sort of discuss that. And some people uh, consider that to be sort of where more of that gray area comes into play because they feel like the first call should be to the police, not 
the church or the church's lawyers or anything like that. And, and, I, and I just don't know that it's that black and white. I feel like we should always report, but I think that also to receive guidance about you know, how to proceed, it can also be beneficial as well. And maybe that's why there's so much gray area. Well, and I think, too, it has a chilling effect on people trusting their bishop with telling the truth to them. They think, oh, I'm just going to tell you, you're just going to call police right out the gate. Um, I mean, the problem with the hotline is you have attorneys who are based out of Utah, and they may be somewhat familiar with the laws in other states Mm. and other countries, but it's one thing to read it in a book. It's another thing to live it and know it day in, day out of what you're doing. So. I don't know. It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. Well, I'm going to need you to decide what we should do everywhere from here on out. Uh, just go ahead. Just, just, I'll just issue my own policy, yes, just please. like the church. You know, they, no, no. I, I would never pretend like I speak for the masses or the church. Thank you. Thank so. you. That'll save us a lot of heartache and headache here. Hey, did you already talk about the Young Women's Organization being 150 years old? No, and I think we should. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm a little, yeah. So I there's a lot of celebrations going on. Strive to Be, which is one of the church's youth uh, outlets on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They've put out a video where it has young women talking about the founding of the Young Women's Organization, which happened 150 years ago this That's year. That's unreal, yeah by the daughters of Brigham Young, not the son who dressed up. No, no, him. no, no, not him. <laughs> he was not mentioned. No, I, and then it made me wonder though, if he wanted to join and exactly. that's why he, <laughs> cause I know my, my boys, they want to play with, if my girls are doing something, you know, sure. Barbies, they're, they want to be in it too. So it, anyways, it made me wonder if maybe that didn't motivate him to, uh, to do that, but there should be some additional celebrations that we see through the rest of this year for young women's for that 150th anniversary, which is um, interesting. So just kind of some context with that. So that means that, uh, started in 1870. So obviously when the saints have made their way to the Salt Lake Valley, uh, that it is the daughters of Brigham Young. I wonder why, um, why we don't, and I'm sure people have plenty of opinions about this, but why we don't hear more about those, um, beginning members of the Young Women's Association like we do with the Relief Society, right? Like we hear about the Red Brick Schoolhouse and, and uh, you know, Emma Smith and, and all of this as far as the founding of the Relief Society, but we don't hear near that m- that much of the lore or early story of the founding of the young women or young men for that matter. Woo. And, you know, I think maybe we will, maybe this is where it starts because even with the Relief Society, the daughter's, in my kingdom, the, at the pulpit, those have all been recent books that have come out. So perhaps we're going to see that this might be, I think this will be the kickoff where they say, okay, and now we're going to go through, you know, when did girls camp start and, mm. and go through all of that. And there's articles out there that you can find that talk about, and, and we'll probably link them in this story yep. or in this, in this posting that um, talks about, you know, it started out as these daughters and then it grew into 40, 50,000 people. And then it turned into girls camp. And then it became, you know, the young women's medallion and the young women's theme. And now the young women's theme has been modified to include heavenly parents and, and really get the whole path that it's gone through. Yeah, for sure. I think we should definitely, maybe I'll make that a future episode of the cultural hall. In fact, you know what? Not maybe I will, I will find someone who knows more than me. So that's not difficult and bring them in uh, to the cultural hall to tell us about the history 
of the Young Women's Organization. Brother Kyle, are you sitting on any other stories? Um, you know, I just saw a story that uh, I thought was interesting that I wasn't aware of. It was a, actually a, a, a ABC News story about uh, Alex Lindstrom from the Tabernacle, the, the choir at Tabernacle Square. Oh, yeah. This is we shared this video uh, on the Cultural Hall Facebook page. If you're not following us there, be sure to check that out. Um, Alex is, as I understand it, he is active. He's also a, a gay member of the church, and it's like a 30-minute sit-down interview with him about how he's able to be not only in the, the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, but also about how he navigates um, being gay. Yeah, yeah, it, it, very interesting story about it. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it uh, on, on that page. But uh, interesting, really great story. So go look it up. It, it's too, I'm not going to read it to you, but uh, one I think you should look at. Uh, he's a younger guy. Also, that's interesting with that video is... They do it, I can't remember what the name of the park is, but it's just uh, directly east of the church office building in downtown Salt Lake where they have like this uh, this old, old-timey, old or so they try, looking uh, like mill that comes off of City Creek. And it's just like surrounded by city, but they do this little bit of green space. And because they did it during the quarantine, you see them sitting forever apart from each other in the video, almost yeah. like they're yelling at each other, like, oh, yeah, no, I am good. Are you good? Yeah, let me tell you. It's like, what are? why are we yelling? Why are we yelling? Uh, let me leave it on this story. And then don't forget, coming up in the third block of the Cultural Hall, uh, we will visit with Matthew Godfrey from the Joseph Smith Papers about Joseph Smith's patriarchal blessing. Uh, this was just unreal. I heard this story and could not believe it. Um, the Utah that was charged an attack on the uh, Panamanian missionary in uh, Spanish Fork. You guys remember this? A uh, black missionary yes. serving here in the state of Utah. He was, um, there were four or five people that were involved in the in the beating to near death of this missionary. Um, he was, uh, <laughs> he was released from jail in error. So... One of three men that were charged in the hate crime on Black Latter-day Saint Missionary. Oh, it was in Payson, not Spanish Fork. They're all sort of South Utah County to me. Um, Sebastian Francis West was denied bail, bail, not bail, sorry, Utah accent, uh, and the Utah County Jail, not gel, uh, did not receive the information. So West was allowed to post the $2,500 bail the following day and... Uh, and now they have issued a warrant for Sebastian's arrest. He's a failed to he's failed to appear for hearings on May fifth and May twelfth, and uh, and and so now they've issued a warrant for his arrest. He was able to post bail and then said, "See ya." Can't find him. And this is this is not the time with the the current atmosphere and the current way the discrepancies between uh, black and white defendants and suspects are being treated. This is not the time you want to accidentally release somebody from jail who, by the way, he's also been ordered to have a competency evaluation, which says that there's some mental health issues he may have, and there's concern about safety in society. Yeah. Not the time that you want to have this oops on your hands. It's, it's not good. Yeah, ab <laughs> absolutely not. So that, um, you know, they have issued now a warrant for his arrest. They're looking for him. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with that story, I know a lot of people are, are focused on 
uh, what's going on in, in Minneapolis and then in response to that in various other uh, places. There's the Ar- Ahmad Arbery case as well. Um, literally, it's so many to name. Like I could go on and we can be like, and this person and this person and this person. Um, when, if those who listen to the cultural hall here in the state of Utah are listening and go, oh yeah, that's all these other places. Oh, and it's here as well. And then we fumble the ball even within that case with something like this. It's just, it's not, it's not good. And, and it's not good. And I hope, I hope they find him yeah. or his family turns him in and realizes, you know, yeah. it's not, he shouldn't be out. I mean, his so. brother also one of the ones that was a part of the attack. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it maybe speaks a little about that family. Uh, not only, I should say, not only is the whole situation not good, it's bad. It's terrible. And um, I don't know. The news has got me down, man. The news has got me down. Mm. That's why those young women have to pick you up. Okay. I, All I right. One more thing about the young women. Yes, please. So it May 27th, 1870 was when they were, when it started. And they're celebrating with a, a challenge called My 150. Maybe you should do this challenge. Okay, Richie. I'll do it. I'm I've, like- I'm already up 30 pounds. I could go another 120 pounds. I can definitely do that. <laughs> so leaders are encouraging young women around the world to think of an activity that they can re- can do related to 150 to commemorate an activity. Maybe you will choose to read 150 pages of scripture or index family history 150 names. Hmm. You may decide to share 150 smiles or 150 encouraging texts or social media posts with friends who need a lift or boost. Or maybe you'll join with other youth in your ward and take 150 names to the temple for proxy baptisms as soon as we are able to return to those sacred spaces. Cool. All right. So have that be your cheer up. Okay. News gets you down. Young women and their 150 challenge picks you right back up. I am going to eat 150 slices of pizza today. Today. (laughs) You'll be at the hospital and that's where you'll get the Rona. Okay. All right. Well. Oh, sorry. That's a big downer again. I need to do. uh, I'll spend. (gasps) The family names. I'll spend 150 days in the hospital. Yeah. 150 hours. What is that? That's seven days and six hours. There it is. That's what I'll do. I'll eat 150 pieces. And smile pieces. the whole time. Yes. Yep. Thank you. There you go. You brought it back around. You're welcome. Uh, you guys, <laughs> stick around for the third block of the Cultural Hall. We're talking about Joseph Smith's patriarchal blessing. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. I know we're going through a lot right now. Many states are quarantining people to their homes so that they have to work remotely. One of the things that's really important is to have a computer that's functioning correctly. One with a good webcam, one that's fast so you can be productive, one that has a good quality screen because you're going to be on this all day remotely. Computer supply has been strained because manufacturing has almost stopped. At PC Laptops, we've secured a limited quantity of laptop and desktop computers that are backed with a lifetime service guarantee. They're available for you right now in limited quantity. The great thing about PC Laptops is this. Once you buy your new computer, if you have any problems or questions, we're here to take care of you. Also, to make it really easy right now, we've arranged with some banks to offer 12-month special financing. Get into PC Laptops right now, because at PC Laptops, we're here for you, and we're in this together. PCLaptops.com. 
Here in the third block of the cultural hall, guys, I am very honored. I honestly don't know uh, how I was able to to finagle this to happen. From the Joseph Smith Papers Project, it's Mr. Matthew Godfrey. I found online in the last couple of days that uh, you could read the patriarchal blessings of both the prophet Joseph and of his wife, Emma. And I said, Matthew, would you be willing to come onto the cultural hall? You know, pie in the sky thinking. And Matthew said, yeah, you bet. And I said, well, would you be willing to discuss both patriarchal blessings? And he said, yes, you bet. And I said, would you be willing to do each of them separately? And I can include them in this week's episode and next week's episode. And, and you guessed it. He said, yes, you bet. So welcome in, Matthew. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I feel remiss about getting to know you. Normally, when we have people on that people that listen to the Cultural Hall don't know, I take a lot of time to be like, you know, where, why do you study this? And, you know, where do you come from and all that? Let's push that forward to the future and let's just talk about the patriarchal blessing of the prophet Joseph Smith. Sounds great. Yeah, this is a, a very interesting blessing. So Joseph Smith received his patriarchal blessing from his father, Joseph Smith Sr., in December of 1834, just about three days after Joseph Smith Sr. had been ordained as the patriarch to the church. Uh, that occurred on December 6th, 1834. And this is back when the patriarch was the patriarch for the entire church because it was small enough. That's how that calling came out, yeah? Correct, yes. Yeah, so Joseph Smith Sr. had given blessings to Joseph Smith before this time. He'd given at least two other blessings uh, to Joseph, which we don't have recorded. But on December 9th, Joseph Smith Sr. decided to gather all of his family together. So he brought in all of his sons and his daughters and their spouses for those who were married. They had a big feast at the time. And then after they had finished uh, eating, he commenced giving blessings to all of his children and their spouses. And Oliver Cowdery later recorded these blessings in a patriarchal blessing book that he began keeping in September of 1835. And one of the interesting things about this is that when Oliver recorded these blessings, he recorded the blessing of the child and the spouse together as if they were one blessing. He didn't separate those out. And in fact, uh, Don Carlos Smith in December 1834 was single when Joseph Smith Sr. gave him his blessing. But by the time Oliver Cowdery was recording these in September of 1835, Don Carlos had been married to Agnes Coolbreath. And so Joseph Smith Sr. actually gave Don Carlos and Agnes another blessing. And that's the blessing that Oliver Cowdery recorded into the Patriarchal Blessing Book. So there seemed to be a connection here in Joseph Smith Sr.'s mind in the mind of Oliver Cowdery, who's recording these, that these blessings to child and spouse were to be seen as one blessing, uh, which is interesting because, of course, that's not how it happens today in the church. So a couple of quick uh, uh, pickup notes as far as this goes. One just sort of maybe trivial thing is that I realize that today we are asked to fast before we receive our patriarchal blessing. So interesting to note that it was a mass gathering, maybe like a Thanksgiving dinner is what I'm envisioning. And then while bellies are full, the blessings are able to be given. That's just an observation of what you're saying. But two, if the blessing was received in 34 and not recorded until 35, is it Oliver Cowdery saying, and then I think he said, and then he went on, or, or how, how does that happen? Yeah, that's a great question. We think what happened was that notes were taken at the time, mm. just based on the way that other blessings from Joseph Smith Sr. were recorded. Edward Partridge said that when Joseph Smith Sr. would pronounce a blessing, there would be someone recording notes for that blessing, and then they would take those notes 
to record them and kind of flesh things out, flesh the ideas out as they were recording them. So one of the things that that means for us is that in the record that we have, we assume that Joseph Smith Sr. spoke all of those words, but it's entirely possible that some of what in there is Oliver Cowdery trying to make connections between different thoughts that have been jotted down at the time. So yeah, that's, that's a very interesting component of it. Is there a declaration of lineage in these patriarchal blessings? Like we hear today, you're from the house of, you know, house and tribe of Judah, etc. So there's not a specific statement of lineage given in these blessings, although in Joseph Smith's blessing, Joseph Smith Sr. compares him to the tribe of Ephraim, says that just as with the sons of Ephraim, he'll be instrumental in gathering the saints together. And so in that way, you can kind of surmise that Joseph Smith Sr. is saying that he's from the tribe of Ephraim. But there's no similar declaration in Emma's blessing, no, no kind of lineage there. So aside from um, this sort of link, this bond to Ephraim, what else can we glean from this patriarchal blessing to Joseph Smith? Well, it's a very interesting blessing because it's a combination of biblical allusions, kind of information about Joseph Smith's past, comparisons to Joseph of Egypt, and then also statements about what Joseph Smith's mission is on the earth. So there's both things that are very kind of biblical and spiritual in nature, and then there's also some very personal things in there that Joseph Smith Sr. tells to Joseph Smith. One of those is that Joseph Smith Sr. talks about how appreciative he is that Joseph Smith Jr. has always kind of defended Joseph Smith Sr. throughout his life. He says, basically, you know, I've, I've had struggles, I've had problems in life, and when people wanted to laugh at me and, and make fun of me for some of these things, you were always there to defend me. And that's been a blessing to me. He talks as well about how obedient Joseph Smith has been throughout his life, that whenever Joseph Smith Sr. or Lucy Mack Smith offered correction or reproof, that Joseph took that seriously. He tried to implement those things in his own life. But then there's a very long uh, kind of passage in this blessing about talking about how Joseph of Egypt wondered about who would be raised up by the Lord in the last days to bring his seed back into the gospel, and talking about how Joseph of Egypt saw Joseph Smith Jr., and saw that he would be the one that would bring about this marvelous work and bring about the gathering of Israel in this way. And then there's also a statement in there about how Joseph Smith Jr. doesn't need to worry that he will be able to fulfill his life's mission be able to accomplish all that the Lord wants him to accomplish before he's taken from the earth. So in some ways, it's really not that different, I think, from patriarchal blessings that, that we see today. There's counsel that's given. There are statements made in there about characteristics that Joseph Smith had. Um, there's also prophecies of his future of, of things that, that will come about as well. And so really not that different from the patriarchal blessings we get today. Are there other things that, as you read it, as this as this document, which, by the way, is made available um, through part of the Joseph Smith Papers Project, there's a link for it in association with this episode of theculturalhall.com, but people can find it there and you can read. As I did, once Matthew said, you know, hey, I'm willing to do it, I went, well, I better become really familiar with what we're going to be talking about. Are there other things that sort of stick out to you? In particular, one thing that for me, as I read, the, the thing with his father, as, as you sort of alluded to already, right? It, it let me know a little bit more of the character of Joseph towards his parents, you know, the honoring of his parents, but also it let me know a little bit more about Joseph Smith Sr., which 
maybe it's a calling of my ignorance to this whole thing, but didn't realize that people had been unkind towards Joseph Smith Sr. and that Joseph Smith Jr. would need to defend. I thought that was an interesting thing that just, you know, the more I learn, the more I have questions. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at Joseph Smith Sr.'s life, he he had a hard life. You know, he lost everything, lost his farm, uh, had to kind of be an itinerant farmer laboring on other people's property for much of Joseph Smith Jr.'s life. Uh, He also struggled at times with alcohol as well. And so there's certain elements of his life that are kind of sad, but Joseph Smith loved his father, loved his mother tremendously as he did all of his family. And he was very loyal to his family, uh, very much wanted to always kind of be there for them. And so I think this comes out, you know, just the appreciation that Joseph Smith Sr. has for Joseph Smith as a son and being willing to support his father and to see seeing him through uh, some of these hard times. I think one other thing that kind of sticks out to me is that this blessing kind of confirms what Joseph Smith himself relates when he uh, talks about his first vision. You know, when he first records his first vision in 1832, Joseph Smith talks about how from a very young age, he was concerned about spiritual things and about spiritual matters. And this is reiterated in this patriarchal blessing where Joseph Smith Sr. says to him, the Lord thy God has called thee by name out of the heavens. Thou hast heard his voice from on high from time to time, even in thy youth. And so it kind of emphasizes this, that Joseph Smith from a very young age was concerned about spiritual things and about spiritual matters. And that that's one aspect of his personality that perhaps is why um, he was the one that the Lord chose to restore the gospel to the earth because he took these things so seriously, even at a young age. Kind of in closing with you here, one of the things that I just absolutely love and it again is just reaffirmed in the conversation that we've had is things like the Joseph Smith papers, like saints, you know, the work that the church is doing that attempts to be more open about our church history and about these people who I'll use the term characters because in in some narratives within the church, we've just sort of been like, Oh, you know, Emma was devoted. Joseph was gregarious. We sort of label and and then keep very 1D or 2D these people from our history. But to know that Joseph Smith Sr. struggled with alcohol, I guarantee you that there are people that are listening to this that go, wait, what? And and, and so it allows us to, within all of these, you know, sort of forefathers of the church in in the restoration of the church, and especially with the prophet himself, it allows me to be able to connect with these people better. It makes me feel like I don't have to be as perfect more often. Listen, it's messy. He's messy. I'm messy. And God loves us all. For sure. I mean, I, I get asked often, you know, what's what's the best thing that I've learned from working on the Joseph Smith papers? Or, you know, how has it affected how I regard Joseph Smith? And for me, my absolute favorite thing about this is that delving deep into Joseph Smith's life has made him a more real person to me. He's not this mythic figure that we sometimes portray in the church, you know, this perfect person who is always communicating with God and these grand visions and and whatever else. Instead, you see a Joseph Smith who's very human, who's going through the same kind of struggles in life that all of us go through. And yet, as he's going through these things, as he's wrestling with his own imperfections, the Lord is accomplishing just marvelous things through him. 
And that gives me a lot of hope that, you know, with all of my mistakes and my shortcomings and whatever else, that maybe the Lord could still use me to do some good in the world as well. Matthew Godfrey Godfrey from the uh, Joseph Smith Papers Project. I'm going to invite you to come back on next week's episode, uh, and we're going to dive into Emma's patriarchal blessing. You talked about how there's sort of one blessing in two and two in one, and we'll talk about that and what we can learn about Emma, and we'll do that in next week's Articles of News. Matthew, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. All 